They're putting a political agenda over the safety of women. Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. We have a lot to talk to you about today. Today we're going to be focusing in on Greg testified for a Senate resolution that has to deal with abortion, so we'll hear more about that. We're going to talk about a Walgreens shareholder protest that CFC attended. We're going to talk about there was um, a young woman who kind of had an odd interaction in a YMCA restroom. So stay tuned to learn a little bit more about that. Governor Newsom has once again defamed a pro-life advocate. Try for the second time. For the second time. And then we're going to go through a New York Times article that's talking a little bit about gender transitioning and how schools are pushing it and making sure parents don't find out about it. It's crazy. It's a mess. And then lastly, we're going to focus in on human trafficking, why it's exploding, and maybe because a bill that was signed into law last year is kind of affecting that. Well, now maybe it is affecting it. So mm-hmm. we have a great show for you, and so we're excited about it. Yes. This is our second show, so uh, glad for you to join us. And so let's get going. Yeah, so we have... Two super exciting events coming up that we want to see you all at. So, Greg, maybe if you want to talk about the first one. Yeah, the first one we're doing, um, you know, California Family Council has now been around 20 years. 20 years. Now, I haven't been here that long. I, I got hired in 2017, so I've been here a bit. Um, but uh, we are going to celebrate the 20-year uh, anniversary with a gala. Uh, that we are planning on March 5th, um, and we're inviting uh, everyone to come who's been uh, a part of our organization and our supporters, and we have a fabulous uh, speaker that we're uh, bringing in, and her name is Allie Beth Stuckey. Now, if you haven't heard of Allie, uh, she has a, a podcast called Relatable, um, and she has been on Blaze TV, uh, Fox News, Prager U, if you guys have heard of that, uh, the Ben Shapiro Show, and many more, many more shows like like that. Um, she is a strong Christian. She really focuses on uh, analyzing culture, news. Uh, she's you know a millennial, so she's young, younger than me, um, and she's really getting young people, Christians, to know how to apply their faith to uh, culture, Um, and she's a great pro-life advocate, Um, and that's one of the reasons we brought her in, because she's been speaking around the country, advocating for the unborn, so we're excited about that. Yeah, she's going to be absolutely amazing. Come to the gala. Here's a picture of her. Yes. Come to the gala so you can get a chance to see her and hear from her. Personally, I'm fangirling over her being here. I love listening to her podcasts. They're so informational. And she's just always on it with what's happening in the current day. And she just speaks from truth. And it's amazing. Yeah, she's very bold, um, uncompromising, mm-hmm. and uh, but very, very biblical and scriptural. Loves Jesus. So we're excited to have her. Yes. And so the second event is actually the morning after the gala. We're hosting the California March for Life right here on the west steps of the California State Capitol. And so this event is free to attend. So we would love to see you all there. It's going to be a great day. We actually have a lot of things going on this year. It will start, the actual March for Life rally doesn't start till noon, which gives time for people from Southern California or Central California to get up here and be there for the March for Life rally and the actual march. 
But before that, at 10 a.m., Love Life, they are going to be hosting a prayer walk. And so Love Life is an organization that's across the nation, and they go outside Planned Parenthoods, and they help to save babies, but they also help the mamas. They have baby showers. They help the moms move into apartments if they need. They help moms get furniture. They help moms get items for the baby. And so they're pro-life for the whole life. And so you can join in at that event, 10 a.m. They're meeting on the steps of the Capitol, and they're going to walk over to the Planned Parenthood across the street. Yeah, most people don't realize that there is a Planned Parenthood clinic right across the street Mm -hmm. from the Capitol. Um, And so praying outside of there, uh, asking God to intervene um, is is part of what Love Life does, and they're going to show how they do that on a regular basis around the state. So we're excited about that. Yeah, it's an amazing opportunity. And right after that, at 11 a.m., Concerned Women for America is hosting a prayer and praise rally on the steps of the Capitol. So that's just a way to kind of set the tone for the day that this march, it's a peaceful march, and we're getting our point across, but it's in prayer and it's in worship. And so we're going to do an hour of having some worship music playing, hearing prayers from women from Concerned Women for America, as well as a couple pastors. So that's going to be a great event. And then the March for Life rally starts at noon. So we have a great lineup of speakers. Ali Stuckey is actually going to be speaking there as well. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Yes. So she's only going to be speaking about for five minutes at the march. So that's why you want to make sure you can come listen to her for a long time at the gala. But she's going to be at the march. We're going to be announcing our other speakers pretty soon. And then at 1 p.m., we'll officially start marching around the Capitol building. And where are the legislators at around that time, Greg? Well, the legislators um, that morning, they will be uh, going into the Capitol uh, from the office building that is called a swing space, which is like one block away. And a lot of them will be uh, walking from that swing space office into the Capitol. So hopefully they'll see us. I'm sure they will. Uh, Know that pro-lifers are still plentiful in California, and we're not giving up defending the unborn and the value of their lives. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So. Yeah, and it's it's going to be amazing, and we really need people to show up to this event because, right. as Greg said, legislators are going to be walking around all day, and when they see thousands of pro-lifers show up here at the Capitol, it's going to affect them. They're going to realize that, like Greg said, pro-lifers do still exist here in California. Absolutely. There's thousands of us. We just got to speak up, Mm -hmm. right? No more silence, no more being quiet. Um, Peaceful protests, passionate uh, speakers, um, and, you know, uh, standing up for the unborn means you got to speak. You know, Mm -hmm. silence is not, uh, silence in itself sends a message and it's the wrong one. So Mm -hmm. we got to stop that. Yeah. So we hope to see you guys all at those two events, March 5th and March 6th. Right. Go on our website to get more information. But now, why don't we kind of go into what's been going on? Yeah, so the California legislature is in full swing. Um, A lot of bills are being introduced. Uh, One of the deadlines is coming up on February 17th, where thousands of bills have a deadline at least to be introduced uh, with numbers. And so one of the things they do every year here in California is they used to have a a particular resolution that they... A resolution is different than a bill. It's simply a statement uh, that the legislature wants to publicly make on some topic. And every year, they've always, in January, they've always uh, put out a resolution celebrating Roe versus Wade, right? The Supreme Court decision that mandated abortion on every state in the nation. Well, this is the first year they can't do that, right? And so we're happy about that, but they... 
pass a resolution uh, instead asking the federal government to uh, federally uh, mandate abortion on the rest of the country. So instead of celebrating the court uh, doing that, now they want the federal or Congress to do that to all the states. So they're sending a message with this resolution, and that gives us an opportunity as pro-lifers to go to a hearing and speak out against it. So that's what I did. Um, and this time, I kind of wanted to, you know, how do you appeal to a state that is so pro-abortion, right? Um, and one of the things I wanted to do, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to appeal to the values I know these legislators already have. They always talk about standing up for the little guy and standing up against injustice. And so, as, you, as you'll see, uh, that's the kind of uh, tact I used uh, in my little testimony. Yeah, so let's check it out. Sarnal. Uh, next, I believe, uh, Greg Burt, if you're here, go ahead. Mr. Burt's approaching the microphone. Thank you. Uh, Chair members, my name is Greg Burt. I'm with the California Family Council. I suspect many of you wish pro-life advocates like myself would just give it a rest, especially after last year. You successfully passed 13 abortion bills and worked to put abortion protections in the state constitution right up to the moment of birth. So why do people like me keep coming back to the Capitol, you might ask, speaking out against abortion when we, when we are obviously so outnumbered in California? Our opponents falsely attribute sinister motives behind our activism. No, we are not eager to control women's bodies, nor do we have animus towards women. Instead, we are motivated by some of the same values that I suspect animated your entry into public service. A belief in pursuing justice for all, an eagerness to defend the dignity of every human being, no matter how small, no matter how powerless, and no matter how wanted or unwanted. We are also motivated by the words of Jesus that uh, Governor Newsom quoted to promote abortion last year. He quoted Mark uh, 12, 31, which says, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment. But who is our neighbor? Is it not those who need our love and protection the most? No human being is more vulnerable and weak than an unborn baby. I'm also po personally motivated to speak out against abortion after witnessing the birth of my own three children. What a miracle that was. Their fingers, their toes were so perfect. They were so small and needy. I immediately felt a desire to protect them and a responsibility to protect them. But abortion is the opposite of protection. And slapping the words care uh, onto abortion doesn't transform the horror of the act into something beautiful and kind. We need to offer women with unplanned pregnancies who are desperate, abused, and poor something better than this. And that's why we are in strong opposition to SR9. Please vote no. Mr. Bird. Okay. So that was an absolutely powerful testimony, and giving testimonies and hearings, that's one of the ways that we stand up and advocate for life. Another is we do the March for Life. That's right. And we also, we will attend protest if it's protesting something to stand up for life. And so California Family Council, we attended the Walgreens shareholder meeting in Newport Beach to stand outside and protest because the FDA announced on January 3rd that pharmacies would be allowed to sell the deadly abortion pills in them. So that means Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Walmart, all these places that have pharmacies now have the ability to become an abortion clinic. That's right. And these, these pills are 
This is the morning after pill. This is a, a two-step process that is supposed to be used on little babies up to 10 weeks old. Um, the first uh, pill um, actually you know, kills the baby, and the second pill expels the baby from uh, the woman. Uh, so the, you know, a lot of them are having, you know, uh, giving birth in their uh, own homes. Supposedly, you know, that's, that's better. Uh, a lot of abortions in the United States are happening this way now, and as you know, states around the country are starting to ban abortion. This is the new way California wants to, uh, and the and the federal government wants to promote abortion. So yeah, it's absolutely awful. And the day after FDA announced this on January fourth, Walgreens was the first pharmacy to publicly announce that they are going to be happy to start doing this because they're putting profits over people. And so Live Action and Survivors LA, they found out about a Walgreens shareholder meeting that was happening in California. And about 100 people showed up to protest outside that meeting. Just signs of this is what Walgreens doing. Walgreens is putting people or profit over people. Walgreens is putting in this pill that doesn't just end the life of a baby, which is on its own is reason to not put it in. But it actually is very harmful for the woman. The abortion pill is four times as likely as surgical abortions to result in medical complications. So there's a lot of issues going on with this. So we were at that event. It was a powerful event. There were some people that actually had the ability to go down outside the shareholders meeting where the shareholders were actually able to hear them, letting them know what was going on. And the shareholders meeting actually had to come to an end. And so it makes a difference when people stand up and show up. We're still kind of waiting to see what plays out, but at Walgreens, don't shop there. It's no different than giving your money to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and what we, what we don't want to happen is for everybody to follow Walgreens' example. So mm-hmm. if you can stop Walgreens from becoming an abortion clinic, if, if they do so, they will become the, most, the biggest abortion mm-hmm. provider in the country if they do this. So uh, anyway, it's, it's something we got to oppose. Yes, yeah, so stand against it. If you use the pharmacy at those places, look into switching to somewhere else. Again, it's now no different than going to a Planned Parenthood. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about that YMCA event I mentioned? Yeah, earlier. this is another big uh, thing that happened, made national, international news. Mm-hmm. It happened uh, down in Santee, California, which is just outside of uh, San Diego, uh, at YMCA. Um, uh, is implementing a policy, uh, which a lot of gyms are, um, being pressured by our state government, uh, laws they have passed. And here's what's happening. Um, there was a, a young teenager, 17-year-old a female, who was uh, showering in the YMCA there in Santee, and she peeked out behind the curtain, and there was a man in the shower completely naked. Um, she was frightened and hid until he left but when she went out to ask the uh, YMCA employees why in the world did you know this was happening and they did know it was happening and he's allowed to be in there actually anybody who identifies as transgender is allowed any male (laughs) is allowed into those bathrooms Mm -hmm. uh, into the showers and so she was not going to stay quiet and she went to the city council meeting uh, and said something to the city council members about what she did. It was, a, you know, uh, I, from what I hear, there weren't that many people there, but the video this young teenager made 
uh, went viral because she broke down when she started talking about how her five-year-old sister uh, goes into the, uh, those bathrooms mm -hmm. and she can't imagine the trauma that would happen to her five-year-old uh, young little girl uh, seeing naked men in the bathroom. That's um, no longer safe. I mean, how can you admit that that kind of thing is safe? But so uh, it caused a huge uproar in... I just wanted to let you know, why is that happening here in California? Well, it happened because, and I looked back to find out what law, um, and it happened uh, with a law passed back in 2011. And it, uh, it was actually introduced, it was AB 887, and it was introduced by our current Senate President Pro Tem, uh, Tony Atkins. She is a Democrat from San Diego, uh, she was in the assembly at the time, and she introduced this bill. And what this bill did is it put into our civil rights code, it defines sex and gender differently. It said uh, sex is now a person's gender identity and gender expression. So it changed the very definition of what it meant to be a human being. So male and female is really uh, determined by someone's gender identity and how who determines your gender identity each individual so every man can simply declare themselves a woman and no one can keep him out of the places where women undress and that's what happened and so and uh sadly uh this was a bipartisan bill signed into law by republican governor arnold schwarzenegger um now back then I bet um, they weren't talking about this is going to be the result. But uh, I think the activists all knew this was going to be the result. This is their end goal, is to eliminate what it means to be a man and a woman. And uh, that women are just going to have to get used to all their private spaces being invaded by men. And so we got to speak up. Mm -hmm. We can't be silent on this. Um, and so just wanted to bring that to your attention. Um, and uh, encourage pastors, men everywhere, to speak up and protect their women from something like this. Is like something like this. I mean, it's also happening to our women's prisons. Men are being put in with women, all under the guise of uh, protecting someone's gender identity. So yeah, it's absolutely awful. And this bill that was passed and signed into law in 2011. That's what caused this to start happening, and that's why Rebecca Phillips, the 17-year-old girl, experienced that YMCA. So let's go ahead and watch a little bit of her testimony yeah. just to hear right from her about how this affected her. My name is Rebecca Phillips, and I'm 17 years old. As I was showering after my workout, I saw a naked male in the women's locker room. I immediately went back into the shower, terrified, and hid behind their flimsy excuse for a curtain until he was gone. I ran into a bathroom stall to change as quickly as I could, organizing my thoughts to share with the people at the front desk. As I did so, I could only think of my five-year-old sister, who I bring to this gym during the summer to, sorry, to enjoy their water slides. This is the YMCA, where hundreds of children spend their summer afternoons in childcare camps. This is the YMCA where my little sister took gymnastics lessons the locker room was supposed to be her safe haven to gossip with her friends and shower and change. When I asked the YMCA management what their policy was regarding transgenders, 
They confirmed that the man that I saw was indeed allowed to shower wherever he pleased. As long as you are not a red flag on Megan's Law, the California Sex Offender Registry, a grown male can shower alongside a teenage girl at your YMCA location here in Santee. I was made to feel as though I had done something wrong when I talked to people at the YMCA. Somehow, the indecent exposure of a male to a female minor was an inconvenience to them. When my dad spoke to the sheriff's office, they told him that he should never allow me to shower there ever again. The YMCA wouldn't let my father speak to the manager of the Santee branch. After waiting several days, he finally received a call from Terry Moss, who is the director of membership for San Diego County. She informed my dad that I was not in any danger at the time of the incident, that I was safe. But I ask you this, I'm assuming all of you either have a wife, a sister, daughters or granddaughters or are a woman yourself. Could you knowingly send an underage girl into a room where there was a naked male and say that she was not in danger, that she was safe, or more importantly, that this was right? The fact that we are now tailoring our privacy policies and bathroom laws around transgenders, ignoring the blatant threat to safety that this poses is obscene. The safety of children, girls, is on the chopping block. So that was, it was hard to watch her testimony and to see her break down like that and to see what effect this had on her and the California legislators have put into law and are continuing to introduce. They're putting a political agenda over the safety of women. That's right. And I think many, you know, th these bills were entered or voted on under the guise of protecting um, people from persecution, right? And you think no one should be protected, you know, ever, no one should be persecuted. But the, the full uh, effects of what this bill meant, meaning letting everybody d define what sex is, is one of the most profound changes we've seen. It's, it's more profound than even changing the definition of marriage because you are changing what a human being is, right? There are no more males or females. There's simply people with feelings and everybody's got to pretend that sex isn't real. So we got to speak up. Yeah, there's no reason it should be acceptable in any situation for a male to be using the same restroom and the same showers as young girls or any girls. It's awful. That's incredible. Yes. Well... This is not the only situation that we saw this past month where a female was kind of affected by California legislators or the governor. That's right. What happened? So we watched Governor Newsom defame a pro-life woman for the second time. That's right. And it's the same lady that it's happened to. It's actually my friend, Macy Petty. And she's not even from California. She doesn't go to school in California, but she keeps getting affected by this because... She was outside the Supreme Court when Roe v. Wade was overturned, when she got to hear the Dobbs decision. That's right. And for her, just talking to her about it, it was an amazing day. That's right. She broke down into tears, crying, tears full of joy, because this is, she's been in the pro-life movement most of her life. Her mom was in the pro-life movement, her grandma. So she just said she was experiencing so many emotions of joy of this is what my grandmother fought for. This is mm. what my mom fought wow. for, and this is what I'm going to continue to fight for. And that video clip of her crying is being absolutely misused. And it's awful. And we watched this back um, in last September, October, when Proposition 1 was trying to get passed in California. Yeah, remember, if you remember, that was a, the proposition was going to make abortion a constitutional right here mm -hmm. in California. That thing did pass, mm -hmm. uh, sadly. Yeah. 
But, you know, they were using her video to do what? They were using her video to promote Proposition 1. So they, it was actually a video that was made by the Yes on Prop 1 campaign, mm -hmm. posted by Hillary Clinton, and then reshared by Gavin Newsom. And it showed her crying, and they were basically saying she was so distraught. That's right. And distraught. She, yeah. And she said, no, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I'm so joyful. That's right. And so we kind of made some remarks on it. We called out the Yes on Prop 1 campaign. She called them out. And then it kind of started, like, catching news across the nation. Yep. And the Yes on Prop 1, they didn't take down their original video. And they never made a comment. But they reposted the same video and just switched the clip of her to another woman crying. So they, they heard us. They never apologized, but they heard us. Yeah. But she got used again by Governor Gavin Newsom once again. And so he posted out a video on Twitter recently, and it was the same thing, stating that women's rights are being ripped away, which no one has the right to murder a child. And she was crying, and it was the same day of her outside the Supreme Court. It was from a different angle, but it was using her to saying she was panicked. And again, we've already talked with her. She's not panicked at all. She's actually, again, super joyful about the overturning, so... California Family Council has um, called out Gavin Newsom, asking for him to remove the video and to make a public apology and to never use her video again. She has as well. There's been no response yet, but it's time we put to an end Governor Newsom defaming these pro-life women. That's right. Can you imagine yourself, um, if you were trying to, uh, you had a reaction to something and then the, the head of the government uh, posted a video uh, twisting your emotional reaction to something and made it say the exact opposite. I mean, it's like slander. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it is slander. You're, you're, and you're using that image to invoke sympathy for your own cause when that person is actually excited about you know, the thing you're against. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that Nat Gavin Newsom hasn't taken down the video and apologized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's go ahead and watch the little clip of the video she's in and hear from Macy Petty herself about what she has to say about this. The Supreme Court has wrapped up a term that rewrote the law on abortion, guns, and today on climate change. I would say panic is the primary reaction. That was me you just saw in Gavin Newsom's latest political ad. I am passionately pro-life, but he's manipulating this footage of me in front of the Supreme Court to make it seem that I'm in panic about the decision. This could not be farther from the truth. At that clip, they had just began to announce that the court had released the Dobbs decision, and I was overwhelmed that I was blessed enough to witness history at the Supreme Court. Does this story sound familiar to you? That's because last fall, Gavin Newsom shared a video of a pro-life girl for the Yes on Prop 1 campaign. Not only did he use a pro-life girl again, but he used the same pro-life girl. Gavin Newsom has now shared two clips of me in front of the Supreme Court and manipulated my joy to promote abortion. I demand that Gavin Newsom remove this video, apologize for the indecency, and never use my face to promote his radical political agenda ever again. While Gavin Newsom, who claims to fight for women, is silencing my opinion, I'm thankful for organizations like California Family and their relentless effort to make sure that my voice is heard. So it's encouraging to hear, even though she's being misused, how strongly Macy Petty is going to continue to stand for life okay. and make sure that her image isn't misused. That's right.
So now we have our New York Times article that we mentioned in the beginning that Greg's going to share a little bit about. Now, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning New York Times, which is typically not particularly friendly to our causes, is because when you the New York Times starts uh, opposing something, you know, that's generally covered by conservative Christians, you know it's really, it's finally hitting the mainstream. And so there was this article published just recently, um, it's, it's titled, When Students Change Gender Identity and the Parents Don't Know, right? And so this is something that's common in California. California uh, Department of Ed encourages schools to keep secret from parents when their children uh, change their pronouns and their names and they start using the opposite sex bathrooms and completely change their gender identity. Parents are purposely kept in the dark. Secret um, files are kept on them, you know, making sure that their name is recorded and their preferred pronoun. Um, and those files are kept separate from their parents, right? And so uh, this article came out and I just want to read you part of it um, because it's, it's starting to show uh, that this keeping secrets from parents is really starting to backfire. And so it, it, this particular article features um, a 15-year-old that uh, identified as transgender uh, in here in Southern California. Um, and it says, Jessica Bradshaw found out that her 15-year-old identified as transgender at school after she glimpsed a homework assignment with an unfamiliar name scribbled across the top. When she asked about the name, the teenager acknowledged that uh, uh, that at her request, it's a daughter, um, teachers and administrators at her school in Southern California had for six months letting her use the boy's bathroom and calling her by male pronouns, right? And so Miss, this Mrs. Bradshaw was confused because didn't the school need her permission to do something this radical? Um, and uh, the counselor said, no, we do not have to let you know this because the, it's the student who decides when to make this public to the parents. So, uh, so she's upset, right? And, and get this. This is not a conservative Christian parent. This is a parent who actually decided to accept their daughter's new male uh, identity. Um, but here's what the, 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 the parent said. He says, The Bradshaws accepted their teenager's new identity, but not without trepidation, especially after she asked for hormones and surgery to remove her breasts. Doctors had previously diagnosed her um, uh, as being on the autism spectrum, um, as well as with attention deficit disorder, uh, hyperactivity disorder, uh, PS, uh, PTSD, and anxiety. Um, she had also struggled with loneliness during the pandemic. And, you know, uh, to his parents, um, seemed not to know exactly, she didn't know who she was, right? Uh and so, and she had repeatedly changed her name and sexual orientation already, right? And so because of those complexities, here it says, Mrs. Bradshaw said she resented the fact that the, uh, the school made her feel like a bad parent for wondering whether educators had put her teenager, a minor, on a path the school was unqualified to diagnose, right? So, so and here's the worry of the parent. What if my daughter changes her mind and she ends up sterilizing herself, right? And, and don't parents have a right to know that's the path the school is... And 
uh, put their child on. Um, and so this is being covered um, in the New York Times. This is a big issue. There are lawsuits, several lawsuits here in California where parents are suing the school district for secretly transitioning their kids. I just heard of a, um, a lawsuit down in Southern California where a teacher has refused to keep secrets from parents and lost her job over uh, actually telling the parents what was happening. And now she's going to file a lawsuit because she lost her job over telling the parents the truth. So this is a big deal. We got some legislation that we are working on. We'll tell you in the future um, about the progress of that to fight back against this. And so, so I got that one. Then the second one. Yes. So now this was the article that we mentioned earlier that it talks about that human trafficking is unfortunately becoming more and more common. And it's because of the bill that was signed into law last year. So why don't we hear a little bit about this article? That's, that's right. So Senator uh, Scott Weiner out of San Francisco uh, wanted to get rid of a law that said that um, you could be arrested for loitering for prostitution. That means hanging around the street, whether you are selling yourself, whether you are buying women or men, or, or whether you're the pimp who's organizing the whole thing. All that loitering in residential neighborhoods... Um, parents use, uh, police use this law to uh, approach uh, this open, you know, selling of people right out uh, in, in public. And they used that particular law to help curb open prostitution, right? Mm-hmm. That law is now illegal. I mean, taken away, it was SB 357. And so now loitering for prostitution is legal in California. And as we warned them, Prostitution is now exploding. And I just want to read you um, uh, a little uh, part of this article um, about sex trafficking and why uh, loitering for prostitution should not be legal. And um, it says, in our, and this is, this is an article called Predator's Paradise. It was written by uh, Abigail Schreier. Um, she writes for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, she's written some great books about young girls who are uh, uh, being transitioned, uh, thinking they're males all of a sudden. Um, and so she's a pretty famous writer, and the fact that she's writing about this is a big deal. So she said, in our, our post-feminist era, prostitution is so often idolized as sex work is work. Um, That's easy to uh, overlook the gruesome reality of what it means to have a pimp, an arrangement closer to slavery than a legitimate job. Um, And here's a quote. It says, The horror stories I could tell you about prostitutes being beaten and choked and burned and being gang-raped, said Vanessa uh, Russell um, of Love Never Fails. She's a friend of mine who works for an... uh, anti-trafficking nonprofit in Oakland. Um, and she said, and the PTSD and all the mental health and the trauma bonding and the psychotic breaks, maybe uh, you're someone who likes to have sex more than once a day, but 9 to 21 times with different guys, some are like 90 years old that smell. And we're talking about 9 to 21 times? That's a day. That's what these people, these young women... Um, are being forced to do. Can, can you imagine, right? And, uh, and what's happened 
um, is that human trafficking is increasing, right? And so um, uh, the, uh, the author went down to Figueroa Street, which is one of the worst uh, places in L.A. where human trafficking has happened. And here's, here's what's happening. Um, uh, uh, Powell, uh, formerly a sergeant in the Los Angeles uh, Police Department's Vice Division, knows the city streets intimately. Over the last six months, the number of prostitutes has doubled, she says. On Figueroa, between uh, 68th and uh, 75th, in an hour you might see 30 girls out there. But now you see 60 to 75 girls an hour. So what shifted? The answer is anti-trafficking advocates told me is Senate Bill 357, signed into law by Governor Newsom in July. Uh, the measured uh, decriminalized loitering with intent to engage in prostitution. The bill did not officially take place until you know January of this year, but the moment it became law back in July, these women say, on the ground, the reality changed. And here's a quote. The minute the governor signed it, you started seeing upticks on the street, said Powell. On social media, here's what pimps were saying. You better get out there uh, and work because the streets are ours. So the pimps were right. Police stopped uh, making arrests for crimes that would no longer be charged. The anti-loitering statute had provided the grounds for officers to question women and children who they suspected might be trapped in a prostitution ring. As a police officer, you need probable cause to stop and investigate. So now that can't happen, and prostitution is exploding. And so I, I know uh, this year that there are several bills to increase um, penalties on trafficking because it's not a, considered a serious or violent felony here in California. SB 14, you'll find information on our, uh, our website. we got a petition that's going. And so help us fight back against human trafficking. And we also have some other ideas we're looking for to fight uh, the loitering as well. So we're going to start to see as the bills continue to get introduced, That's as right. they can be introduced up until February 17th, and we will be putting out all a bunch of different ways you can call your legislators and you can sign petitions on bills like SB 14 because we're going to support making human trafficking a serious and violent crime. That's right. And we're going to put out information about bills that focus on abortion. Bills that focus on the whole gender issue happening in schools. So stay tuned with us. Follow along on all of our social media. Sign up for our newsletter. That way you can get information on what bills we're supporting, what bills we're opposing, and how to contact your legislators easily because we will provide that to you. That's right. So appreciate your uh, watching if you, if you made it this far. Um, but uh, we hope to be back uh, every week uh, giving you updates. Um, and uh, uh, God bless for all your, all your uh, prayers and, and support. Yes, and see you all at the gala and the March for Life in March.